0: Here we come blue and white and we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job and we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United. Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Brunson Bugle, your one-stop shop for all things Carlisle United. From Mervyn Day to Lucas Dawson and Bob Kelly to Tim Krull, we've got it covered. In today's episode, we're going to look back on another pair of stalemates against Harrogate and Cheltenham, previewing United's final away trip of the season at Leighton Orient, as well as a news update and a roundup of what X-Blues have been getting up to. I'm joined, as ever, by one of my co-hosts and today it's Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it going, mate? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, yeah. A bit of a shame the season's over, isn't it really? But wasn't to be this year, was it?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's very un Carl United, not to take it to the last <laughs> day, but uh yeah, the you know, we've run out of steam, have nice uh so...
1: Yeah, just, just just didn't quite have enough, did they? No. Nice mix of plays there in the intro as well.
2: Yeah, is there any link? Or Absolutely not, it's all just no, randoms no. really,
1: but yeah. Bob Kelly's an interesting character, doesn't get talked about enough as as Carl United, uh play. I only play like a handful of games, really about twelve I think. But he was an England international. He managed the club for a brief while as well. But he also managed I think it's FC St Gallen and uh, I think Sporting Lisbon as well in his career. Very unusual one that one you don't get that much with Yeah, it. There's a few other players out like there's 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 at least a couple of managers who have managed in Holland quite a bit and also possibly in Turkey as well seems to ring a bell not sure about that but we'll, we'll do some bits on them maybe in pre-season one of the specials i think um let's get straight into the news then dan uh more contract extensions been announced um very kindly they did this just after we recorded last week didn't they? <laughs> so we we, we don't all the bits about the uh the, the previous four which of course were uh joe Riley, jack armor taylor charters and josh dixon but three more players have now been announced and they're Deals have now been extended to the summer of 2022 and they are 32-year-old forward Luis Alessandra, 24-year-old defender Aaron Hayden and 24-year-old midfielder Callum Guy. So that leaves just Imari Patrick and Toure, who are out of contract this summer but have one-year extension options in their contracts. Um, The other out-of-contract sort of senior players if you want to call them that uh, Paul Farman, Nick Anderton, Reese Bennett, Morgan Feeney, Frande Zanzala and Kedwin Scott. Um... No massive surprise to see those three extended, was there?
2: No, you do wonder if, in fact, there were a couple of days later. I wonder if we've maybe tried to get Hayden and Guy to sign completely new deals, mm. given w- the two two of the better players and uh, obviously worth a little bit. I wonder if they.
1: The Guy one's the one that stands out because Hayden was announced the same time as Alessandro. So I wonder if that one was more just a, we've done it and we'll sort it in the summer. I wonder if the yeah. guy won, they wanted to try and get tied down then, but they hands not to wait till the summer. There's no massive issue with that. Look, if they go in the summer, we're going to get good money for them now, at least anyway, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah. So that's just the way it is. And of the rest, I mean, I think the only one there, maybe he's looking and thinking, mm, maybe I should have been given a mad mind trick. It was probably Patrick, I think maybe. He's maybe looking that a bit nervously now, thinking, oh, hang on. <laughs> I thought I might get extended Anyways, I think Tori probably can look at it and say, it's not going to happen here, is it? So,
2: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 at, it's at the front end where we're going to probably see the most changes over the yeah. summer, isn't it? You know, I mean, they've already said Coyote will unlikely come back. Mm. You know, Patrick and Ture, inconsistent probably, mm. it's a fair word for them. So, yeah. you know, Zanzala's to be decided and... Uh, Scott, so we will be interesting to see what happens in the uh, in our attack.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that there's going to be a bit of change around in that area of the field. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, let's move on to the next bit then, Dan. Uh, reserves defeated in the Central League Cup final. So this obviously took place on Wednesday afternoon. Um, United's second string fell at the final hurdle uh, on Wednesday as they were beaten 2-0 by Championship side Bournemouth in the Central League Cup final at St George's Park. Um it was a very young United side, wasn't it? Other than Gimmie Torre, really, the, they were all kids essentially. Against, I think, it was quite a strong Bournemouth side, wasn't it? And did the best, but just wasn't quite enough on the day, was it?
2: Yeah, I mean, us playing Tuesday night at Cheltenham obviously didn't help us for this, you know. Yeah. So the, the lads who were on the bench would probably have played normally, you know. Like Scott would have got a got a proper run out. Uh, one one plus from it was uh, Morgan Feeney got an hour in. Yeah, it was really good to see, wasn't and, it? And I noticed he was subbed on the hour and it was almost like it was premeditated. Well, Skelton's come out in the comments and said the, the aim was always to give him just an hour, basically. Yeah, just a so game a game. You you wonder if he'll, uh, he'll possibly make an appearance in the last two games when, you know, McDonald's uh, out at the moment, who could be back, we're not sure, hmm. and uh, Bennett possibly got another niggle, so it'd be nice to see Feeney get a game and uh, mm. as as we've already said before, you know, he's one that we think is worth taking the gamble on.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is though, he's not played a first team game in months, has he? And that's the risk of putting him in, so I wonder if maybe he would have been Possibly left on the bench, possibly maybe for those last two games. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um, Josh Dixon was captain for the Blues as well. Actually, nice to see him get another run out as well with his injury problems of late. Um, finally, Dan, uh, <laughs> it's not so much news, but uh, quite an amazing, wasn't it? Uh, David Holdsworth speaks. We finally heard from our uh, our Lord and Saviour, the uh, the turtle neck wearing uh, legend. That is. um it's about three months without any sort of major. Interviewed
2: him, wasn't it? I think he's like buses, isn't he? Yeah, as soon as you, he, you, you don't <laughs> hear off him for ages and you end up with uh multi segmented interviews, still waiting
1: for parts five and six, though, aren't we? Well, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it, it after so long of not hearing from him, especially during that bad period, which I know he sort of said, Oh, we didn't want to put pressure on Beach, if anything, it puts more pressure on him. The fact that we're not hearing a single thing from from, from the upper corridor. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. you it know, gets fans talking, doesn't it? So there you go. But I mean, just picked out. You covered a number of topics, here, And Just um, a few of the bits he picked out. I've picked out from it. I mean, the first one was mainly about um, whether there was any doubts about manager Chris Beach's future during the poor run of form. And it's it pretty clear from the interview there was no doubt, wasn't there? I think they they were yeah, very comfortable. Yeah. Weren't they they understand the back background situation, which is fine. The bit that's puzzled me though is this quote I've picked out. He said, he's a manager and person I think continue to grow with us. Would I have been more comfortable with Sam Allardyce in the building or Joe Kinnear or jo- Jose Mourinho? No. Right? I can almost understand Allardyce and Mourinho in there.
2: But where the <laughs> hell's Joe Kinnear
1: come from in that?
2: Yeah, it's a very, really, uh, random trio of managers. Like you say, Allardyce and Mourinho you could, uh, get away with. But, uh, Jockey is uh, a bit of a random one,
1: isn't it? It was a strange one, that wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the second bit was about the, the lack of training facilities over the during the winter period and the need for the club to improve their setup in that area um, in terms of maybe building like a community facility, working with the council. And The quote from this, I, I think this was a strange quote as well. He said, "I would love our council and whoever it may be to come along and say we'll work with you to do that. I would love people to say." Carlisle's got to move into the future with a facility. There are good people in Carlisle. I don't have time to make the calls and sit in those meetings, but in the future, I'd love to be able to sit down with the council, planning, and whoever it may be, welcome them and say, let's work together. This links into another bit that he picked out. He was banging on about the shirt launch dates and how great the new shirt's and Talking about the sponsors as well, the new kit sponsors. Why is a director of football doing that? it, It just continues to baffle me. Surely the whole part of director football is to oversee the footballing strategy of the club, not deal with, you know, what kit materials you're going to have or what colours can going to have for away kits and who's going to be the sponsor on the shirt. Their job should be talking to the manager saying, "Right, what's a big issue? We can't train during the winter. Right, well, maybe we need to work, look long term for the benefit of the club to find themselves a good facility that could potentially make money as well for the club. And his main concern is <laughs> whether we're going to have an orange away kit last season and seeing all the fans wearing it. I don't know what you think on that. It just baffles me.
2: It's random because, as you say, I, I, first of all, I I think a director of football is a, a necessity in the modern game. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Completely. You know, it's it's how the game's gone. You know, it allows your Your manager isn't a manager at such these, these days other than all head coaches, really. Yes. But, you know, training facilities is certainly something that would come under his, sort of, I can't think of the word, you know, his control. And, you know, to say he doesn't have the time to make those calls, we're not talking with agents 24-7. Yeah. You know, most of our squad is signed on. We will only be making maybe half a dozen changes in the summer. What else is he doing with his time, you know? Well, obviously, he's uh, sorting sponsorship <laughs> deals out and whatnot.
1: Getting his textiles out, doing some designs. Well, stuff like that. you
2: know. It, it, it's odd.
1: But, hey, there you go, you know, just the way it's, it is, I guess.
2: It's Carlisle United all over, isn't it? Nothing's yeah. ever simple. No,
1: definitely not. All right, well, that's the news section done then, Dan. Let's move on to the uh, match review section. Um, for the last time this season, we're going to review two matches. Uh, it feels weird, doesn't it? We've been doing 12 weeks of this. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Uh, So, while it's still mathematically possible to make the playoffs, um, I think there's more chance of a person from Whitehaven or Workington admitting that they're a jam eater than the Blues extending their season beyond the 8th of May. Uh, We need to basically win both the games, overturn a 10-goal deficit uh, in the goal difference, and see all three of the teams above us pretty much lose every game. We'd maybe be able to to afford two draws in there to make it. It, it, It's not going to happen, is it? Essentially, it's, it's over, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'd be a, it would be a very, very unlikely s- set of uh, results, especially when you look at uh, some of the opposition for the the teams above us in the next two games.
1: Yeah, you'd imagine that there's going to be at least one win amongst those. Yeah, it'd yeah. Amazed if there wasn't. Um, so yeah, two very contrasting performances but this week, but two identical results, two draws, which... Just sums up why we're missing on a top seven spot, isn't it? It's that lack of consistency and cutting edge over the last maybe three or four weeks that's really cost us, hasn't it, Dan?
2: Yeah. Um we've we've turned into a team that draws a game a lot suddenly, haven't we? You know, is it five out of the last six were mm-hmm. draws? Um mm-hmm. uh, and I was uh, I was in work last night and I was looking when I was having a break, I was looking. We've not won away to a single team above us. You know, yeah. I think I think we've got three or four draws and the rest of defeats. We're a little bit better at home against the teams above us. You know we've won three or four of them, but you know if 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 you're only picking up three or four points from twenty seven from the teams above you away from home, I'm going to be harshy and we don't deserve to be in there, do we? No, definitely not. You know, we haven't been
1: good enough in those. We're a little bit of a flat track bully this season, aren't we, really? We're, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're generally beating the teams below
2: us by that yeah, bad run. Yeah. The teams above us, we struggle against, and the teams below us, we basically win.
1: Yeah. Essentially, that's
2: the way you're you do it. You know, by, by the odd result here and there.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the games themselves then, Dan. Um, first up, the Harrogate Town game. I um, just. I mean, we talked about how bad the Port Vale game was last week. That was just the general quality of the game. In terms of performances, this has got to be one of the worst performances in the first 45 minutes at least from the Blues this season, isn't it? They just looked at absolute shambles at the back. I mean, constantly caught out, particularly with a bit of pace. I mean, people might pick out the fact that Anderton was playing centre-back, but I I don't think he was necessarily the worst defender. I think generally, all around as a team, we were awful in that first, especially the first 15 minutes, we just didn't look like we'd got out the changing rooms
2: no it was a good viewing was it uh harrogate clearly came tabago you know they've got nothing mm. to play for they, they can play with a bit of freedom yeah. and you know that the one that was uh ruled out for offside it would uh would have been interesting to see on the old var lines was borderline wasn't it the best. yeah probably got a bit of a result with that one uh you know, they they just looked very very good. Muldoon and Steed basically took the piss out our backline. I, I mean,
1: Muldoon, he looked a good player. Then I mean, it's only the fact that he's thirty two in May that you look at him, and think he's probably not the sort of player you'd sign. Otherwise, yeah, you'd be yeah. thinking he's the kind of player you want in your club because he he was lively, he used the ball really well. And he likes it. He's got good pace for a thirty-one-year-old, especially. You've got to say that. Yeah, um, yeah. And like I said, I mean, John's stood up front. I mean, he's just—he's played at the highest level, and you can see what a clever player he is. And you'd imagine that the younger players at their club are learning a hell of a lot from him, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, especially. Uh, was it Mark Beck actually came yeah. on for him, wasn't it? You know, and <sighs> Beck's probably learned, you know, a lot in the last couple of seasons playing mm. alongside and training alongside. But uh, no, Harrogate looked, uh, you know, a decent team, fair play to them. They're, they're probably disappointed they didn't win the game. Uh, they should be.
1: <laughs> they should have won it, really. The way they played, they they were, they were definitely the better side by a long way. I mean, we just look very ponderous and slow at the back. And it's like we went out there and sort of expected Harrogate to have their flip-flops on and their, <laughs> yeah, you know, their, yeah. got the their beach towels, whatever and ready for the summer. Yeah. But they didn't. They were the complete opposite. They looked like the team that were going for a win to get themselves in the playoffs.
2: The 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 thing that showed how bad the 45 minutes were was the fact that Chris Beach made three subs at half time. Which, I which I is of. something <laughs> he never does, you know, yeah. so that just shows how off the boil we really were. Yeah.
1: I think he made a bit too much about how good we were second half in his post match interviews. He's been of the last couple of games, saying, "Oh well, you know we were bad first of Harrogate, but look how well we did." And we, we, you know, we should have won the game against Harrogate. Yeah, we? yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here. We had one shot on target against Harrogate. That's obviously the goal. Yeah, yeah, we had ten shots ourselves, but Harrogate had ten shots on their four on target. We were pretty. There, was, there wasn't
2: many memorable efforts, was there?
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. It, it, it just felt like a game that's sort of. Peter out towards the end as well. We've, I mean, obviously there was that one chance we had. They hit the bar where Chedwin Scott, uh, sorry, Kedwin Scott, hit it across goal and the lad <laughs> smashed it against his own bar. Yeah, which would have yeah. been like the most undeserved free points you've ever seen in your life, wouldn't it? It was yeah. ridiculous. It, it would.
2: It would have been a robbery if we'd, uh, yeah. if we'd uh, picked them up.
1: I mean, talking about subs. There, we obviously mentioned three at half-time and one of those was Ethan Walker, someone we've not seen much of since he's come back on loan. And he was really impressive in this game, and actually against Cheltenham, which we'll cover in a minute, but he looked really lively and good, and it makes you think to yourself, why on earth have we not been using him over the last yeah. few months?
2: He looked we, like he played and make a difference in games. We we were on about this, weren't we, afterwards, and we worked out, I think he'd played just over an hour in eight appearances off the bench, with his, his longest run-out being 15 minutes prior to this, but uh, I think it's fair to say he was probably our man of the match on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, as you say again, came off uh, came off the bench on uh, midweek and put another. You know, I mean, he did enough in them two appearances to make you think: is he worth having next season? You know,
1: I think it's definitely worth an inquiry because I think he's only going to get better. He looks a young lad who's. I think he might have learnt a bit of a a lesson almost from this last half a season of actually I need do need to work hard. Yeah, to get into yeah. I can only imagine he's not been doing it in, in training. That's the only explanation I can think of because I can't see any reason why. I mean, I, I, I like Toure, but he's not done enough in the second half of season to justify being picked much. I can only imagine that's the only reason why he's not being picked ahead of Toure because he looks like he can make a bigger impact on him in
2: games. Speaking of which, uh, the observant amongst the Blues will have noticed that it appeared that Toure wasn't on the bench in the second half. Yeah, interesting.
1: Whether
2: whether he wasn't happy that he didn't come on in those three subs or, you know. But uh, he wasn't in the 18 on the Tuesday and he actually played in the, the game against Bournemouth instead, didn't he? Which was
1: it's almost one of the ones and I'm sure the club will deny it's the case but it almost feels like it was almost a punishment. Yeah. You've got yeah. to go You've got to go to St. George's Park and play in a Reserve Cup final instead of playing yeah. this massive game we need to win yeah. in League Two because I know that the reason the club put up on Twitter was that there was enough attacking options on the bench that we didn't need Torre to but never quite really sat with me that because he's you know yeah. what have we ever dropped him previously this season? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fairly inevitable we'll get on to a minute about whether he's going to be here next season, which I think we both agree is probably not. Um, but yeah, so we finally got the goal, got a draw, but it just felt so flat after It It felt like the last few weeks really catching up on us and we just, we've just missed yeah. a big opportunity. We just needed two, just two wins in those run of draws. That would have been enough yeah. to put us really in contention, but there you go. Yeah. Um Let's so move on to the Cheltenham Town game then, Dan, because this was night and day from the Cheltenham, uh, the Harrogate game, sorry, wasn't it? Arguably one of the best performances you've put in for a long time. Interestingly, someone pointed this out to me. Over the last five weeks or so, we've put in some excellent performances on the Tuesday night games. Really, really impressive. But the Saturday games that followed have been dreadful. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you, you would think, you it, think straight, it would be the other way around, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's really, really weird. But the last, even with the, you know, look back at the Bolton defeat... You know, we beat Crawley, we beat Scunthorpe. There was another game before that possibly, I can't remember. Uh, but... Drew
2: at Newport.
1: Drew at Newport, yes, you're, you're right. I mean, you look at those games, that run of games. We've been excellent in the midweek games. We've just been dreadful <laughs> at the weekends <laughs> for some reason. But yeah, we we looked so much better in this game, didn't we?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, we looked like a, a a team that deserved to be in the mix, didn't we? You know, mm. if you consider... Cheltenham got promoted due to the draw I mean they probably eased off in the last few minutes knowing a draw was enough but uh, and the the big talking point was obviously the change in formation
1: yeah this we've been crying out for him to try something different for a while and he finally does it with three games to go Um, it just feels frustrating it's taken this long to do something but you you do wonder if, I think he's more or less admitted it, hasn't he, that he basically did it to counter Cheltenham's threats and you know maybe take advantage of them because he's seen other teams have played free at the back against them and done well and looked to do then. And he sort of said, well, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll use it much next season, which is a little bit disappointing because I think I'd like to see us have more options and I think it works well. And I think it suits Anderson really well as well because he can play as one of those side centre-backs, either side of the central centre-back, and he's able to push forward a bit, as is Hayden. Hayden can bring the ball out quite well. The pair of them are good at that. And you could have someone like Bennett sitting in the middle, potentially, if you really need to. And
2: it also, it also suits the games of Tanner and Armour, doesn't yeah. it? Who are, who are both full-backs who can get up and cross a ball. You know, it's, mm. uh, it, it is a formation which which suits quite a lot of our players. But, mm. you know, I, I think it will probably, for now, be a one-off. But, uh, yeah. you know, one, one thing we didn't mention there was, obviously... Uh, talking about switching to counter Cheltenham the other big thing was uh, Magnus Norman at starting yes, yeah. which which he, he basically said was because of his height
1: yeah it, we all know the big long throw threat from Cheltenham is you know Ben Tozer's got their highest number of assists this season and that's all come from his long throws basically so it tell, you know, tells you all you need to know there but I, I thought Norman had a decent game actually I mean there was,
2: there was there was a save he made in the second half when he got down low that was excellent. to his corner. And that, that, that got us to the point because, yeah. you know, that for for a big lad to get down so low so quickly, mm-hmm. I thought it was an excellent save.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's a decent guy, but I, I still think Farman is the better of the two of them. I saw an interesting comment. Someone suggested that he'd been picked because he was more mobile. Uh, than farman which I'm not sure I agree with. I think I don't think I've seen many keepers for us that are more mobile than than Farman. Yeah. yeah. He, he just seems incapable of sitting still to be honest when yeah. you watch him with his football Tourette's. Um, Norman's a, Norman looks a bit more like a classic goalkeeper, doesn't he? A bit yes. more like an Adam yeah. Collin, doesn't he? He's he's not as mobile, but he's a good in the uh decent shot stopper and he, he, he got a decent kick on him as well to be fair get it forward not as big as Farman's but I mean Farman's just a bit of a freak when it comes to things like that isn't yeah. it I but there you go but no yeah decent game from him and it'd be interesting to see whether he just started the weekend actually whether he gets a little run maybe before the end of the season um, yeah uh, the next bit I've got down. a tale of two coyotes um, he looked for me that's my opinion yeah, others may disagree I thought he looked Absolutely shocking and disinterested against Harrogate, despite the fact that he scored the equaliser. I thought he was sort of strolling through the game. I know that Lummy made some comments during the commentary, didn't he, about the fact that you know he saw him on the side of the pitch at two o'clock with his mobile phone. And he said, you know, back in my day, it might be different now, but he, you know, once you got into the dressing room at one o'clock, your phone's in your bag and it stays there because you're yeah, concentrating yeah. on the game. And that made you feel like, oh, he, he's basically signed out for the season, hasn't he? I know he got kicked off the backside at half time and you know he got his goal, but I thought he was really poor against um Harrogate. But then against Cheltenham, he was back to his best. He was an absolute menace. I know he was playing down the middle, which probably helped a little bit as well, but he he was an absolute nuisance for those defenders. He scored a great goal with the header and then nearly scored another brilliant goal with that cross from Anderson that he headed against the bar. I mean
2: Yeah, and it didn't have hit the bar
1: that one, didn't it? Oh yeah, definitely and you just feel that if he could cut that inconsistency out of his game, he will be a top top player, won't he?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I mean that, that thing with the phone, it's it's slightly disrespectful if it's right, you know, mm. I mean Apparently, you know, he was changed into his kit by then, you know, so yeah, yeah, I know phones are everywhere these days, but you know, you you, you don't see uh you don't see Usain Bolt playing on his mobile just before he's about to run hundred metres, do you? He probably would do. It. He probably still right, yeah, he? Though, he, he? he? <laughs> he's probably the wrong one to use it as an example. To be fair, because he's yeah. such a freak of nature. But uh, no, it's uh, you know the Tuesday night coyote, as you say, was excellent. Uh, as we've already said, we, we doubt he'll be back next season. The club have basically said that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he'll, he'll either go on loan in League One or play for Rotherham in League One if they go down. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah,
2: no, yeah. You know, Players like that in the last couple of games, will uh, we'll probably have better memories of it.
1: Mm. Well, he only needs two more goals to get double figures for the season. I'm sure that'll probably be his target. Will he get yeah, a couple yeah, of goals in those yeah. two games and finish off in a good note? Um, another player had a good game against Charlton, uh Our mate George, George Tanner. Um, not, just, not only did he have a good game he had a good game in four different positions for yeah, the game didn't he yeah. it? it's just really really impressive with how well he played in this match he started out as right wing back um, obviously Reece Bennett sadly we'll cover that in a minute but uh, picked up uh, another injury and had to go off after about 20 minutes um, Divine came on and moved to right wing back and Alma came into centre back and Tanner moved over to left wing back where he, he caused problems because they, you know, he was. They knew he was going to cut back onto his right foot, but he, he did it every time. And then second half comes out and he's been shifted up into left left wing effectively, wasn't he, as a yeah. front free? And then there was another sub. I can't remember exactly when it was now, but he, he moved over to the right wing as well, didn't he? Just he, he looked comfortable in all those positions, and he looks like a player who I know he's playing right back for us now, and he's been excellent for us there. He looks capable of playing a few different positions, and he maybe he hasn't quite settled on his final role in the team.
2: I think a lot of that comes back to if you remember when we did interview him in the yeah. special uh, Man United to do sort of have a season where they cover all all positions, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously shone through in this game because you know he was he was superb in all the positions. So yeah, I mean, he's I, yeah, I think he probably is a right back now, but yeah, he's cert- certainly he wouldn't look out of place playing right midfield or right wing if we needed him to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, another, I'm picking up players here, but I think Anderton as well. I think full credit to him because he didn't have a great game against Harrogate. I think anyone would accept that. He, he struggled a little bit. Slightly different role in this game, but I thought he put in a real captain's performance and especially when he had to move to be the centre of the centre-back. So rather than playing as a left-sided in a back three, he played as a central player, didn't he? With Armour one side of him, Hayden the other. And he he really led from the front, didn't he? he? Had a really really good game in this match.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a, again, chalk and cheese, similar to Coyote, you know. And Anderton, uh, he played well, and you know, it uh, is is one who we haven't mentioned uh, contract wise for next season. But I, I, I think you'll get a deal.
1: I can't I think see him, you. Though.
2: I think you will, especially being captain. Yeah,
1: good reliable but, player, you know, yeah. you know you get you'll do a job most of the time for you, so you can do that. Yeah. Um another crap ref there, wasn't it, Dan? Just so frustrating at how bad he was. Some of the foul decisions he was given. I mean, he let Hayden get away with a lot, although I didn't think many of them were fouls. Um that Sam Smith up front for them was just diving all over the shop, wasn't he? He was just pathetic. And then that bit at the end there was a rugby tackle on Mesh <laughs> yeah. down by the corner flag. Gives a free kick, no no booking. And then Anderton brings one of their lads down when they're breaking away. And he gets booked for it, literally a minute later. Yeah. It's just baffling how bad some of the refs have been this season. I mean, the yeah. free kick for their equaliser as well. I mean, that was soft, to say the least. Yeah. He's given it for an arm up by Anderton. But he's not smashed an arm in the lad's face, has he? He's, no. His arm up because he's going for the header. Which, you know, you, you do, don't you? You can't go for a header with your arms by your side. It's just not possible. It's ridiculous. Um I mentioned that before, didn't we? we? We dealt really well with the long throw for from uh, Cheltenham. Um, it, I mean, it's a hell of a weapon, that toes throws, and it's ridiculous. He yeah. pr- practically gets it to the far post. It's a little
2: bit the lap isn't
1: it? I'd say it's better than Delap's Laff's throw. I don't genuinely think it's longer, yeah. it, the, the distance he gets it. But we just, we we dealt with it.
2: and it, it certainly puts ours to shame, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. I mean, and ours is probably the second best in the division, <laughs> you'd argue, yeah. Coyotes. Um interesting, Beats talked about this and he said that that's one of the reasons he went for free at the back because obviously when they're taking the long throw, they haven't got Tozer in there as to, to win the header and yeah, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Hayden would normally pick up Tozer. So he basically said Hayden's then free to just go for the ball and win yeah. the header and he pretty much did every time. He had another excellent game as well. I mean, he was poor against Harrogate too but he looked like he really got back to his best as well. Um yeah. Real shame about the Bennett injury though, isn't it? I mean, came back in that game against uh, Harrogate at half-time probably earlier than we expected. Did a job, got us through that second half. started this game and he did well. I'm not sure it's a recurrence of the injury or not. It wasn't really very clear, was it, from what we saw?
2: No, but uh, it could possibly be his last appearance for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's unlikely he'll be here next season unless we offer an incredible deal. It'd be interesting it's, it's, to see
1: because obviously they, they clearly think highly of Morgan Feeney. Yeah. It looks like yeah. he's probably going to get offered a new deal. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not he uh, he does stay. Um, let's talk briefly then about Beach's post-match interview. Um, he was very emotional, wasn't he? <laughs> very emotional. He's been very calm and collected over the last four or five weeks. You know, not getting too excited or anything. But after this one, you could feel a bit of the frustration coming out in him, couldn't you? Like he you felt that we we just missed out and we just weren't quite
2: good enough to get there, didn't yeah. You? we? Yeah. We, we also thought he maybe slightly misunderstood a couple of the questions, didn't we?
1: Yeah, he seemed to be getting a little bit riled and a bit, he's back put up by some of the questions that James Phillips particularly was asking on Radio Cumbria. And they weren't bad Quite, they were good positive questions actually insane, saying like, oh, you know, you know, Trying to give him a chance to talk positively about it, and he, he, he's like he heard a different question in his head, yeah, and was yeah. a bit annoyed about it. And the way he, I don't think doing those interviews over the phone helps, does it? I don't think without being face to face and being able to correspond with somebody, it's a lot more difficult when you need to yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. So, I think that that might be part of it. Um, but I think he did say himself, to be fair, that maybe you need to take a step back and reflect a couple of days after the game rather than at that point, knowing that the season was over, it's clearly a very emotional moment for him. Maybe, like you said, I just need to, to wait a couple of days, analyse the game, and come back and say, fair enough, it didn't happen, but we build for next season. That's the key yeah. thing. Um, before we go on to uh, the half time break and go to the match preview stuff, Dan, um, a couple of general points. Um, no Toure or Furman on the bench against Cheltenham. Um, Furman was also missing against Harrogate, and, as we've already mentioned. Toure didn't come on. You'd imagine that's a, probably a sign that those two are not gonna be here next season, isn't it? The,
2: the, to be fair to Furman they did say he's got a niggle. Yeah. So you know Fair but, enough. I, know.
1: Uh, I wasn't sure on that one, but Yeah,
2: but uh, agreed it's I mean I'm I'm the Dean Furman fan club, <laughs> but uh looks like we'll be having to uh, pick a new player to support. Yeah, saying that.
1: Right, let's uh, take a half time break then, Dan, and we'll be back to preview the late the orange game. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for part two. Um, yes, so now we're going to be looking ahead to the uh, one game for once. <laughs> it feels weird not previewing two games, isn't it? Yeah. It's a strange kind of feeling. Um, so we're looking ahead to the trip to Leighton Orient. It's just gutted, isn't it? Because what a, what a trip it would have been this weekend to go down to London to potentially, I mean, if things had been different with no COVID we could have been challenging for promotion or securing promotion, couldn't we? And Bank it, of the weekend. Oh, what a trip it would have been. Really, really gutting. It's almost a little bit, not pleasing, but decent at least that we get the chance, hopefully, to do it next season when fans are allowed back into to the grounds. Um, but yes, yeah, so we're looking at this game and, and as ever, we've managed to get an opposition podcast to speak to us. And for this one, We've got the guys from the Lowdown podcast for, I think, the third or fourth time this season, <laughs> which we're best mates with them now, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Never stopped talking to them. So uh, it's a, instead of a Dale this time, Julian from the uh, Lowdown podcast, uh, I spoke to him the other day about how he felt Orient's season had gone and um, what his hopes are for next season. Julian, looking back at what's been a bit of a, a long slog of a season, I think, for every Cub in League 2, and with the squad you've got at Orient, are you happy enough with where you're probably going to be finishing the table, round about mid-table?
0: I think if you sort of, you'll get a, 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 a sort of a different difference in opinion across Orient fans. I think the club wanted to improve on where we were last year. So again, we've seen some, put some, uh, a journey that's taken us to about 14 games ago where we probably were going to get some improvement but not get to the playoffs. And then Ross Edmonton was relieved of his duties and, and Joby McAfee took in interim management, management's role. And there 14 games now since so Joby sort of come into and joined the as management team. with one six, drawn four, lost four. Um, our recent runoff form, the last five games, not been good enough for anyone trying to get into, that, um, into the playoffs. But more importantly, if you got into the playoffs with that runoff form, we would have really struggled. So going back to the squad, I think if you talk to a lot of O's fans is that a lot of people say we've still got a National League squad. Um, it doesn't look as good when you're watching it week in, week out as probably you see it from afar. Yes, we've got some good players in there, but across the the the, the strength and depth is is very limited, and, and and very much this season we're gonna. I think we've got seven players left, um, and the rest of the players are out of contract. And I really feel we're gonna have a real, real big clear out this year of those players. Uh, and wh- whoever's the manager next next year, it's going to have to sort of work work very hard. But more importantly, I do feel it's necessary now because we've probably kept to become too cozy over the last few years mm-hmm. for obvious reasons um, with with players, with staff. And I just think it needs needs new ideas. And if Joby does get the job, I think he needs a, a, a stronger supporting cast.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I was looking at the way things have gone in the last few games especially. There's a lot of similarities between Kalal and Leinor at the moment in that we look like our chances of the playoffs are totally gone and then we go on this great run to get ourselves just in touch. And then these last four or five games are just what's cost us that chance to keep up with the Salfords and the Forest Greens and the Newports of the world at the moment. But what you mentioned interestingly about squad turnover, is one place where we're in a good position for next season at Carlisle and that we've got most of our squad that we want to keep all signed up for next season <laughs> so we're in a weird, weird position like that um, is, it, is it probably maybe just a little bit too much, too too late, that run to get close to the playoffs do you think in terms of that, and obviously the yeah. last few games I mean the Southend game is the one that stands out to me for you guys in terms of a, a poor result because when we play them they were absolutely god awful side
0: yeah, so so that for that for us as fans, that was the game we had to win, not for any other reason than we needed the three points to get us closest to the playoff. Yeah. Is that they're a local rival, they're a club that um, a lot of Orient fans um, dislike for, <laughs> of, for obvious reasons, but more importantly, around the when we went down to the National League, they weren't very supportive and, and they were very vocal in that. So there was a lot of Orient fans saying, "Look, we want to do the same to them." I get that, and. But the players just didn't turn up. It was awful. It was one of the worst games of football to watch. We, we were we were lethargic. Um, one of the things that's been sort of said um, in, uh, from the club is that the ball the, they've spoken with, um, the players that uh, are potentially going to be released this season, already I spoke to them at Easter. And it seemed a little bit over the last few games, those players have gone, you know what, I'm not going to give 110% for a red shirt because if I get a broken leg, broken ankle, you know what's going to happen to my career next year because I'm going to be out of contract and I get that as well because from my perspective I would probably do the same especially if I'm trying to get a job elsewhere so they know they've been released I wouldn't say our starting 11 would all all have been told they've been released but I would have said quite a few of them have been across the squad and know that their sort of days are and numbered. And it looked like on special Saturday, they looked like a team who didn't care. It looked like a mid-table or mid-table team who are safe. You know, they've already got their flip flops on. They're looking to get their jab and get themselves on on the beach somewhere in Europe. Hopefully, in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, it's funny that because we looked the same on Saturday against Harrogate, we were absolutely awful. We didn't turn up. Harrogate should have won that game comfortably, and how we got a draw from I don't know. Yeah, last night against Cheltenham, <laughs> we, we we dominated the game. We should have won it, and it's frustrating. You look back and you think sometimes, why can't you get those performances from your teams? It's just just the way it is. How do you think Joey McLaugh is getting on as manager? Then, do you, do you think he's someone who's the right man for the job long term, or would you rather see an experienced man coming for the role? Do
0: you, do you know what? Um, I'm I'm really got mixed opinions on it, and I probably like a lot of Borean fans. Yeah, so. The bit I like about Joby, he knows the club. He, he's got a great pedigree, isn't he? He's got a fantastic yeah. pedigree as a player. He's well-connected, uh, et etc., etc. et cetera, but he's never had a management job in his life, right? But yeah. as he said, he's worked under some really good managers. Fantastic. That's that's useful to a certain level. My bit is with Jovi, I think, where, where Ross fell down as well. We had a very inexperienced backroom staff. So, you had a, you had a gaffer who, who didn't really know what he was doing, I it's new to the job, and then the rest of the staff the same. What if Joby does get the role, and I really hope the club stands by those decisions, they bring in their own backroom staff, and again, bring in some experience, whether that's experience from a, a, a manager who's been in a role previously, or... Or, or, or another senior pro who's played at a good level, worked for lots of good gaffers and can bring some fresh ideas. That is the problem with Orient at the moment is the ideas. We look so, so lethargic. We set up the same four We've done it now for nearly two seasons. It doesn't get the results we would want. We don't seem like we want to change that to, to, to affect a game. So on that note, it's, it's quite quite sad. So then you look at that, and you think, is Joby the right man? Because he's going to come in just do the same as we've done before. The bit I think, and again, if we were in your position where we had a lot of players still signed off for next year, I think we'd probably need a, an experienced manager to come in and be able to say, look, set, set this the stall out very quickly. Because I just think people got comfortable. And that is such a such a a difficult thing to sort of uh, uh, commoditize or, 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 or explain. But I just think over the last couple of years, you've had an assistant manager come in to become the first team manager for, for, the, for the obvious reasons when Justin passed. And then he was, don't forget, he was the intermediary between the first team manager and the players. So as number two, now he's had to step up and then brought in the new number two who's had a fairly limited managerial career themselves and I just think we're just void of ideas and I say if Joby if Joby comes in and giving me the support giving the budget to go and sign some some fantastic signings for us and also bringing some experience in the back room um I'm supportive of it if it's going to be business as usual the same team that, that's going to end this season from a managerial perspective my my, my bit is it's going to it's going to come down to um not my vote and what I don't want really and a lot of fans don't want to see is that Jovi gets given the job and it all doesn't go to plan next season and he ends up on the scrap heap like Ross Simpson. and guess what that guy's that guy deserves more than that from just from his career alone forget if you like him or don't like him as a person but his career alone he needs a bit of respect and I think I would hope the club if they do appoint him give him the opportunity to, to put a stamp on this team but more importantly bring his own staff
1: so what's the aims then for next season? Where do you think you need to strengthen then, Julian? Presuming Macanoff keeps the job, or if anyone who comes in, where do you think they need to look to strengthen your squad? Do you reckon?
0: Do you know what? We don't know what other players have been offered contracts or <laughs> out contracts, so that would be a bit be about the concern. So my biggest concern is if we lose our goalkeeper, uh, Lawrence Figgur, who's been excellent yeah. this season, he's, he's a he's a championship s Goalkeeper. I think one of the things that he likes about the Orient, and hopefully he stands by that, is close to where his home is. His family doesn't have to uproot and travel off around the country. He's done that, got the t shirt, and I think now with a very young family, he may want to sort of give, a, give himself another season or so with Orient. Um, I think the other thing for him is, is that if you look around London and the, the sort of commutable areas, there's not many League One teams, you know, so yeah. Um, I think the, the where he would normally would go to he could go play for Luton or he could go up to Northampton, but again, they're in the same position. Oh, sorry, Northampton's the same position as us, and but Luton a little bit further up the pyramid. But I'm not sure, I'm really not sure. So I hope we keep him. Uh, we need to get uh, another centre back, you know, so there's potentially a risk of us losing Dan Happy. Um, uh, and also, uh, Akinola going back to West Ham. I'm not sure we're going to sign him just due to. Um, yes, his contract's ended at West Ham. I just don't know. We, we have the appetite to sign him. Uh, but I think across the back four, he, we've got some comfort in sort of Adam Thompson coming in and doing a good job before he broke his ankle. Um, Turley, probably giving another year. So we need to make sure we get a full centre half in there, and then left and right back. I think they're going to be our weaknesses next season. We've got Samling and and Joe Woodison both out of contract. Um, there's rumours that Sam Ling's going to go for obvious reasons that he's, his dad's the um, director of football, and I think just I think the kids had enough of being sort of tarnished with that brush. Um, and then Joe and Joe a, is a good National League player. He's a good backup. We need. We've always even with James Brophy playing left back, we always needed someone. Else to sort of challenge for that, and then you look across that midfield. Um, we've got two midfielders on for next season. Uh, both are, are holding. If Joby's not going to play, if he does take the managerial role up, we need sort of replacements in there. And then you go up top. You know, it depends on if we if we keep keep the likes of uh, um, Connor Wilkinson, keep the likes of um, Danny Johnson DJ. Um, yeah, if not we need to go and replace those because I think you're gonna see a few of the uh sort of the the guys who have not just quite quite sort of got to the got to the place where they need to regards to goals and, and a number of appearances will definitely be sort of um, released. So yeah, I think it's across the whole whole block and that's the thing, that's the scary thing as an Orient fan is that you look at that squad and you think there's not many not many Benny we want to keep, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of building and I really hope our director of football and, and, and our and our upstairs guys are already having that sort of that that, that momentum to getting players in and before you know it there'll be the end of the season in a week's time or so, two weeks time, sorry, and then it'll be pre season before you know it and I think would just need to get those players in. So it's, it's a big worry for Orient, and it's something that we've not experienced in you know, over recent years. And, and when these guys came in, took over from our Mad owner, Mad <laughs> Frank, previously, um, these guys have been quite consistent, and we've seen players that sort of stayed around for multiple seasons. This is the first time that we don't have that 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 privilege.
1: Yeah. Uh, how much have you missed going to games this season, then? Because I mean... <laughs> It's been a long, long, what, it's not even 12 months, is it? I suppose it's 15 months, I suppose, really, it'll be by the time we get to the next season. We're not being able to go to games I mean you must be really looking forward to getting back to, to matches at Brisbane Road and I've seen there's some work being carried out as well I think they're doing some work on what, what's yeah. the away stand as well
0: yeah so the uh, the, east, the old east stand um, the re, the redoing the roof taking asbestos out so we're not going to kill you as fans <laughs> coming next season putting a new roof on it to, to make it look good and keep it watertight and there's some other bits they're doing in there um, but I think for me as, as, as a fan I think initially when you were watching the games from home it was a bit of a novelty wasn't it yeah. Thinking, look I'm, I'm saving 50 quid just sitting in my <laughs> front room watching this you know I'm not down the pub I'm not going to get a get a dirty kebab on the way home or whatever it may be and as the season's progressed on you've gone I wish I was going to games wish I was going to games and then we had that little opening up didn't we with a few games that was allowed in I unfortunately didn't get to them, I was working away my two boys went and they said dad it was, it's amazing it was absolutely amazing And, and uh, but then that sort of went off and, and if I'm honest since Christmas my love of watching Orient has really gone out the window mm-hmm. uh, I think we've discussed this in our own podcast is that when you're, when you're a game you've got 90 minutes right and you'll be no different than we are. You yeah. don't watch a football game for ninety minutes. Yeah. You're either going to yeah. go and buy a drink, get a burger, you're talking to your mates, you've gone for a pee because you've had too many pints before the starts. It's all those things you probably only consume seventy of minutes of the game. Yeah. And um, and at home you're critiquing it, aren't you? You're you're watching watching the warm up, you get the kickoff, you're you're you're, you're moaning about belly at half time to yourself if you're not on the WhatsApp group and then you're watching you're consuming the whole ninety minutes. And I think for us, I think one of the things a lot of us and we met up, as a podcast, um, Social Distancing, by the way, and one of the guys has got a pub. We went in his big pub garden last week. And um, we were just talking. It was so nice just to sit around with your mates and just have a chat. Uh, and, and, and we actually didn't really talk about Orient. We were talking about everything else. But what we were saying, going back to the football... It just i sort of fallen out of love with it, really, and I really hope the to reignite that next season with we 've uh, going to the games and sort of going back to what we were doing, and then you don 't really care when you win the win lose, or draw because you 're getting the other experiences that football 's all about as well
1: absolutely and. I mean, I'm hoping that Orient away is one of our first away games next season and we can we can all meet for a pint in the air. Is it the coaching horses? Is the, the yeah, yeah,
0: is yeah. you more, more than welcome. And, and that's the thing, is that we, as, as we've as we spoken to you more times, I think we've spoken to our own <laughs> family <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and, and you have a person, not just a podcast, yeah. <laughs> just uh, due to the games being called off. But I, I think for me, it's, uh, um, yeah, it'd be nice to have that chat, you know, and, and, and that rivalry does... In League 2, even the lower league, it's not as there as it is up as you no. go up the pyramid. And actually, we're all football fans. That's the bit that sits behind us all. We will enjoy a good day out, a bit of banter. Yes, you always want to win over your local rivals and what have you, but reality is you just want to enjoy the day. And that's one thing I don't think a lot of us have experienced recently.
1: Absolutely not. Before we finish up and get onto the predictions, I've got to ask you about a man that links both clubs, a man who's hugely popular with fans of both clubs, Jabu Iberi. Um, it's just generally what, what what a guy he is, and you know how popular is he still down the Orient.
0: Jabho, jab, oh, what a player! What a player! Was, um, I, I think I think again because he joined us at such a young age and and he, he developed at uh, Orient and and went on and had a, a fairly decent career as you know. Um, it's just a nice bloke, isn't he? Just it's, yeah. it's nothing to, nothing to dislike. As you you've probably had players that leave you guys have gone to um, rivals or gone somewhere else in the football pyramid. And then when you see him return, you, you can't wait to throw stuff at him. You really have that despising moment. But Jabo, definitely, you can see it. And you, you've seen him when he's played for you and come back back home, we call it. you know, He's got a really well received, isn't he? He's got a round of applause. And I think the last time he played for you guys, I know it's a few, some time back, but even I think he went to Cambridge at the end of his career at Cambridge, didn't yes, he? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So he, even at Cambridge as well, where I think he, he was a game, he... he either when he's warming up or what have you but he, he gets a round of applause and he's a great lad and I, and, and I wish him all the best because you look at players like that there's not many around now are they mm. you can honestly right. say who, who are our fans favorite may not have been the best striker in the world may not have given you all the goals and the thrills that you have from certain players who go club to club to club but he's a loyal chap and, and um, yeah he's been very good for you and very good for us
1: Indeed, indeed. Well, let's finish up then, Julian. Go on. Let's have a prediction for this weekend. It doesn't matter, does it really? Does it? Because neither that's, of us are making right. the playoffs. Why do you reckon it's going to happen?
0: A seven all draw. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be, be a load of kids in there. There'll be players you've never seen all season, uh, and I think they'll go with no goal. But no. Uh, psh, do you know what we did? You did you one nil, didn't we in March? Um, and that was lucky. Uh, it was a dreadful game that was. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. So I, I think. I think. From us, it, depend, it really depends on two things. Two things are, if Joby's getting the job and he wants to end the season well to show those players are in probably two minds to sign a new contract that Oren's the place to be, or if Joby is not being decided and he's thinking, you know what, let's go and play some of those players that have not had the chance this season uh, uh, and give them the opportunity. So if that's if it's the second one, I think we'll get beat. If it's the first one, I think we'll, we'll, we'll either nick it Two one uh, or three two or alternatively, um, if it's the other one, I think we could get beat or, or get a knicker draw. So it's a difficult one for me. And and like you said, I can not really care now. Um, <laughs> if, if anything, I'll I'll watch it because it's you guys. If I'm honest, you know, I've, I may not have watched it otherwise. But it's a, I think we've forged a relationship with you guys and you're the furthest furthest team away from us. And I think yeah, just nice to see the last one out. So there it goes, and then. Really, you've been looking forward to next season. Yep.
1: Thanks, that Julian, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up with that point in the coaching horses next season.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be on us. No problem at all, <laughs> Lee. Thank you, thank you for inviting us on, but more importantly, thank no you problem. for coming on the lowdown as well.
1: Well, thanks again to Julian for taking the time to speak to us about all things Leighton Orient. Um, it's good, good to hear they're doing a little bit of improvement work on the uh, what's the away stand, at Leighton Orient, replacing the roof there, so get rid of the asbestos, so they're not uh, putting our life at threat. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, it, Leighton Orient, quite a lot of sort of similarities between us and them, really, especially over the last couple of months, isn't there? Really, in the way things have gone, they look like they're potentially pushing and getting close to that
2: playoff. Place, especially when the one up here. Yeah,
1: exactly. But then the last four or five weeks, or three or four weeks, it's just faltered again, hasn't it? And losing against South End, especially with that being a local derby and them being so dreadful this season, that must feel like a proper gut punch to them, must not it?
2: Yeah, that was that was probably the game that finished it really for them. You know, it's uh, the they've, uh, they've, they've had a bit of a strange season, have not hmm. they?
1: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean. Julian was saying there that their squad is still largely the squad that got them out of the national league because they because they, cause they cause they've had such a weird couple of years after they got up and then sadly Justin Edinburgh passed away before he had a chance to even manage them in the football league and they've just sort of, not been in turmoil but they've just sort of been treading water maybe the right yeah, phrase yeah, I think yeah. and they've just been sort of okay let's be solid in the football league to start they've got a five year plan to get them tell them to league one just imminently sensible actually. A lot of clubs talk about five year plans to get the championship and Premier League and mad stuff like that. They're saying, you know, let's take it easy, let's rebuild this club because they were when, a mess, weren't
2: they, for a yeah, while? Yeah, when 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 you look sort of at the squad and what they've done with some decent additions in the summer, Orion could be a team that could be up there.
1: Yeah, especially if they can keep hold of Lawrence Vigoro, the keeper. I mean he yeah, looks a yeah. really good standard keeper for this level. Um but yeah, it, it, it feels like... It'd be interesting to see whether Joby Mackinough gets the job full-time there. He seems a very popular guy, especially as a player. And as they were saying there, Julian, he was saying that the big for the thing for them is whether they put an experienced head alongside him yeah, or yeah. want to carry on with the coaching staff. They need yeah, would, probably to get someone in there, don't they?
2: It would be similar to a Simpson and Booth type uh, situation, yeah. wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, that, that, that's the way they're probably looking at it. Um, in terms of current form... They're the one place below us in the last six games form table. In nineteenth, we're in eighteenth. The, the draws have basically just killed our form. We're near the yeah. top until recently. Um, current, currently, eleventh place on sixty-one points. Um, basically, it's the battle for tenth place. This isn't it. I don't think we're going to finish much higher than tenth because there's a four-point gap to Exeter Brothers now. So yeah. It's difficult to overtake that. Um, yeah, like I so said, when you look at the squad, there are some good players in there it's just whether consistency seems to be really a big problem for them, doesn't it really? In terms of getting them to to perform on a weekly basis. Um, I mean, you look, Danny Johnson looked like a re, you know, real goal scoring threat first half the season. He's barely threatened since the turn of the year, hasn't he? It's a real shame for them that he's not really found that form again.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, teams like Orient, the way football's changed, they're probably a classic example of uh, how it's affected them you know many years well not many many years ago but someone like orient would likely pick up young lads from west Ham, arsenal tottenham you know yeah who'd, who'd been released but now with these academies being so full of players from abroad etc that they tend to lose they've tend to lost a little bit of that you know the likes of orient or a millwall or you know the Gillingham sort of teams and would they would pick up players who would turn out to be decent players. It doesn't seem to happen as much these uh, days. Do you think the problem is as
1: well that these Premier League clubs, they have their under-23 squads and they keep these players, sometimes they're the 23 24. Yeah, and yeah. then when they do come out and they go to clubs like Orange, they've barely played any football of the last three or four years, like men's yeah. football really. And they're not ready for it, are they? That's the problem. They, they, they're in, not understanding. In, inst-
2: instead of playing these sort of under-23 leagues, a year on loan at somewhere like Orient would probably be super beneficial to them you
1: know yeah exactly and that, that, that's where the problem is I mean they've got that lad on loan from, from West Ham and they, they clearly rate him quite highly. They, they're saying there that hopefully they could get him permanently but they, they're not convinced they think he'll probably go to a league one club because he's out of contract with them at the end of the season so yeah I see what happens with that um, yeah it's it, it's one of those clubs, isn't it? Leonor? like I said, they're they're a proper football league club, and they having them back in the league after their little spell in the National League was was really good. And I've got so many good memories of going down to Orion to watch games. And it, it, it is a, I mean, oh, i fans I'm, who barely ever go to away games, might not know, but it genuinely is genuinely one of the best away games. Yeah,
2: scores, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a soft spot for Leinster, Orion because hmm. uh, I, I I lived in the area for about eighteen months with work, and uh, I actually went to watch them a couple of times midweek you know i I went to watch them against Leeds, which was a mm. a great night uh and it's they're quite similar to ourselves in a way i, I find yeah. you know the they're, they're a team with there's there's potential there there is mm. but the the natural draw of the area a lot of the fan base have moved sort of outwards now mm. it's 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 a very multicultural area now orient mm. Leighton. And, you know, a lot of the fan base have sort of moved out to Essex, which which is why they sort of see South End, as we've mentioned, as yeah. a bit of a derby game. So,
1: And they're probably not helped as well by the fact that West Ham have basically encroached into the area by moving to. Yeah, through. big time. I mean, big we, time. We, when you get the tube up to. Leighton, you can see the Olympic Stadium, can't you, yeah, as you're yeah. going up. So that tells you just how close they are. And
2: Yeah, I remember uh thingy, uh, what's his name, wasn't very happy. Barry uh, Hearn. Barry Hearn wasn't very happy yeah. when it happened. You know, he was sort of saying, if anyone should play in that stadium, it should be Leighton Orient, you know, yeah. because you're on our manor, which <laughs> he was right,
1: you know. Yeah, because clubs aren't supposed to be allowed to encroach or move into closer areas to other clubs, aren't they? I think mean, there's, there's zephyr yeah. rules about that and they took it to court and I think mean, they got a settlement from it possibly. Yeah, now, yeah. I imagine that money disappeared with, um, with the Italian fellow who it was in possibly, uh, <laughs> legally I should say, allegedly there. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it it, it, it does feel like that there are a clubs that are recovering from, some absolutely shocking ownership and we know how long that can take to get you cut back into a proper shape, can't you? But it does seem like they're, they're fairly well run now and they've got a tidy little stadium as well, you know, even with the old stand there on the other side. It's not a bad view there for the away end, is it really? And, It'd be interesting to see next season. Yeah, go down there again. It'd be done. really looking forward to going to the Coach and Horses and having a pint as, uh, as we do every time we go down. I um,
2: I've actually stopped in the Coach and Horses <laughs> as a resident that. for a week. Which <laughs> but that was, an was uh, the the room we had the, the, uh, it's such a big building you don't realize until you go in the upstairs mm. and it they do rooms for like uh, working working folk. Yeah. Like builders etc and I think we had a 12-bedded it was almost a dormitory. Yeah. You know, it was uh, it was big, but uh, that was just temporary while we found more permanent digs in the area. Yeah.
1: Um, in in terms of that, we'll get into the team news in here, but um, what would you do if you're Chris Beecher this game? I think you sort of hinted he might do a little bit of changing of the team and give other players a, a run-up Then the season. What would you do if you were manager now, Dan? Would you would you look to make change? Who would you look to bring in potentially to, to feature in these last few games?
2: Well, <sighs> I'd like to see Feeney get a little run out. Uh, that might might not be till the last game. Yeah, I, I think obviously there was a reason he only played an hour midweek yeah. in the reserves. Uh, the obviously think highly of him. I think he deserves a run out. Mm-hmm. The obvious one is uh, Scott. You know, yeah. people are, are desperate to see. Him. It'd probably be a little bit unlucky on Zanzala but I think Zanzala's done enough to prove his worth to us yeah and I think based on his two substitute appearances Ethan Walker deserves a start up front if if we do go back to the three you know Coyote has probably done enough but he's scored in the last two games so he can't be dropped can he you know realistically it, 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 it would be nice to sort of see a front three of Scott up front with Walker and Coyote, you know, hmm. yeah, give them a run just up. little bit of change. They yeah. deserve a run out,
1: yeah. It's kind of those weird ones, in you know, it. I'm sure they want to play in every game, but we don't really need to see Luis Alessandra playing these games because we know what he's capable of, yeah. He, yeah he's going to yeah. be here next season. And Mario I, I, Patrick might want to prove a point in those two games, possibly. yeah. We, I don't know, we, we've, but...
2: already, we've already said as well that we, we, might, we might see Alessandra sort of. Morph more into a squad type player next season. Mm. You know, he might come off the bench instead of start. Bit, you know, he'd be a good experienced head to bring on if we're in a tight game. But yeah. uh, man, you yeah. before that this season, didn't we? We thought yeah, yeah. Yeah. he played. most of the games. So. It, it would be nice to see a little change in midfield. Uh I, I think Charters deserves a run out. Yeah,
1: I think. Yeah, give give Mellish a rest because yeah. we know yeah. what Mellish can do, and he's yeah. and he's played yeah. well actually in the last few games. To be fair, yeah. but. You know, give him a rest before the end yeah. of the
2: season, yeah. And Divine probably deserves a little bit of a run out at mm-hmm. some point again, yeah. Uh, and the defense, it's whoever's fit in the middle, isn't it? <laughs> Basically, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: if Divine gets a run out, you might just get a run out at a, a right back, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something else. But no, it, yeah, that, that's fair enough. That I think I, I, I think I'd like to see Dixon on the bench as well, maybe yeah, get him out yeah, of one of those yeah. games. I think, yeah. he's been a better looking, clearly, we want to use him next season and whatnot. What I think I'd like to see Fishburne on the bench as well. For the last Fishburne.
2: game at home, yeah. Yeah, Why get him not? on the
1: bench and throw him on for the last yeah. 15, 20 minutes or something like that. I think the lad's done well and he's clearly shown he's, he's capable of, you know, earning himself a decent deal. Um, yeah, so let's move on to team news then. Um, so, looks like Rob McDonald might return after his uh, dead leg against the Bolton uh, match. Uh Reese Bennett possibly out for the season, we reckon, maybe. Yeah. I mean,
2: there's no there's there's no rush to rush him back now, is there? Why, why risk him? I mean yeah. so for
1: his own benefit as much as anything, really. Yeah. There's no point in risking him in those two games. Um interestingly, it's one figure I, I didn't actually mention in the we were talking about the Cheltenham game. Good to hear David Raven on the Kirkcoms, isn't it? Really, I, I really enjoyed it. I yeah, he was really, yeah.
2: really knowledgeable, and, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm, I was a big David Raven fan when he was at the club. And I, I know one of the, I think it was one of the fans' panellists was mm. on the match pre-game and he sort of said, you know, he, he thought Raven was probably slightly underrated in his time at Carlow. Yeah. Which I, I think was a fair comment because I thought he was an excellent player. I, I was quite gutted when we uh, let him go, to be quite honest.
1: I always kind of felt like he was a very good right-back for us, but I think eventually we could have shifted him to centre-back yeah when when, when he did
2: play games at centre-back he looked he looked very very good but Mm. uh, you know he's he's carved he carved out a decent career up at Inverness and uh, you know he's he actually announced that he's still playing for Marine next season so he's obviously enjoying it isn't he Mm,
1: that's really good news um yeah, so I mentioned Raven there because he spotted this. He was quite smart, actually. When Joe Riley came off against Cheltenham, he spotted that he'd been limping for a little bit just before that. Yeah, so I do yeah. wonder if Riley might be a doubt for this game. Again, that's where you can make a change potentially. Yeah, or you could bring
2: Divine in. Divine thing.
1: in, yeah, at that point. Um, Morgan Feeney could feature potentially. Obviously, he played for the reserves uh, this week. Um, but Jamie Armstrong and Brendan Dickinson are out for the rest of the season, so they definitely won't feature in this yeah. game. Um, predictions Dan
2: 3 all draw
1: you know what I was going to say exactly the same as you thought it's going to be it's going to be mad both teams I, are like ah it. let's go for it yeah
2: yeah let's go for 10 place. you yeah. know I, I can see this being a proper ding dong decent game of football I really can
1: yeah really really um, I, I agree with you I'll go 3-3 are you going to pick some goal scorers for once or are you
2: oh I'm going to say I know what you're going to say yeah. Ethan Walker hmm? I think he'll get a start. Hopefully, yep. uh, Scott will score even if he comes off the bench. And let's go. Let's hope Feeney plays. He can have a goal.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say Magnus Norman there. I thought you were going <laughs> to no say, no.
2: from no. from
1: Farman. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I think Coyote's going to get another goal. Um, Taylor Charters will start and he'll score. And ooh, um. Why not? Callum Guy's finally going to get that goal. I keep saying <laughs> he's going to he can get an all-season in a game that means nothing. So there you go. Um, so that's the uh, predictions out of the way. Uh, let's move on to the x file section, Dan. Um, quiet this week, but a few interesting bits in there.
2: Yeah. Uh, goal scorers, first of all. Uh, the goal machine, Charlie Wyke, with another couple. Yeah. He's, uh, he's also nominated for League One Player of the Season. Yeah. Which... Makes you know no surprise given the amount of goals he's scored. Mm. Uh Angelo Balanta scored again for Dagenham. Uh yep. Mark Ellis. He's become sort of some sort of goal scoring guru not counting. Well, County, well those he? two,
1: haven't they? Balanta and Ellis just seem to be scoring for fun at the moment.
2: Yeah. Uh Naki Wells for Bristol City, Paddy Madden at Stockport. And Ryan Bowman scored later on for Exeter midweek, which uh Unfortunately, wasn't good news for us.
1: Well, not, not good news for Grimsby either, was it? That no.
2: Other news, uh, former left centre-back Macaulay Gillespie has turned down a new deal at Brisbane Raw. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of disappointment at... Uh, Brisbane. i think he was player of the season wasn't he it? was that yeah season. yeah he was uh to- i think i read that tom Aldred has signed a new deal he's had
1: a three-year deal with him that's a lovely yeah. old job no, that, no, isn't it? Just,
2: three years out in brisbane you're hey. not going to say no to that are you uh-huh. but uh no gillespie's uh basically said you know i've been player of the year and he obviously thinks he's deserving of a bit more of a mm. deal and uh apparently he's got clubs in us Aust- fellow australian clubs england scotland and also germany yeah, in. interesting that one, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see. And uh, one other ex-player, well, players may be a bit of a... <laughs> a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Connor Simpson, the tall lad from Preston, has signed for Icelandic club Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that's how you say it. Uh, Kordrengi. Yeah, I do maybe. have Icelandic friends, I could ask them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, And two... They're not one of the big boys in Icelandic football.
1: Yeah, you always see these like players who are at non-league or lower league clubs in England always seem to be signing for Icelandic clubs around about this time of year, don't they? Always well, I,
2: I saw, I looked, and uh, he's a North lad, isn't he, Simpson? Yeah. And there's a lot of North East lads tend to go out there. Yeah. And I do wonder if he's represented by a certain... Agent, maybe. Yeah, they're actually a second division team, so mm. they're not, they're not, they're not the biggest, the biggest teams. But,
1: yeah. but it's interesting because Scarborough Athletic, who he plays for, said they expect that you should be back in a few months' time. I think it's only a short spell he's going to have yeah, out there. Yeah. Uh, their manager, funny enough, is Darren Kelly, ex-United uh, yeah. defender. He he
2: held the big telly. He
1: had the big telly. He was selling his shirts on eBay the other week, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Nice, nice fellow by all accounts, Darren Kelly. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. Just, I think the fee, the fee, just knackered him, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Roddy didn't really help with the way he built him up. And, no, no. Well, the, the crack about him being in Westlife at one point and stuff like that. Is, <laughs> like, so, so Tell you what, we're gonna, we're gonna have to do an episode about those years of Cal United. One of the features because someone was talking. Because you see, I, I put up that um, there's a thread. If anyone you know, wants to go, my personal Twitter, it's at Lee Rooney, and I put up a, a thread of. Um, basically this Grimsby podcast have tweeted what's happened to them this season.
2: It's a, it's a good read. Oh my God. It's
1: what a soap opera it is. Like It's incredible
2: when you go through it. Our, our Roddy Collins years would absolutely blow it out the water. Well, not
1: even that. If you go a couple of years before that, the Mamcar 19 years. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do an episode of that because I think some of our younger fans don't realise complain about it was. Oh, when they complain about things to do with the club now, just how mental the club actually was back then. Like, yeah. some of the things so, happened.
2: I, I, I was uh, discussing on the forum last night what one fan had said that the league one years under Abbott were miserable which astounded <laughs> me Gen- genuinely astounded me and fair play to the lad he's given his reasons why and that's his, his opinion yeah. but believe me that some of the times in under the later 19 years into the Courtney and Collins you know, it was an absolute basket case of a football club yeah yeah and, and it's, it's nearly it's it's twenty
1: years ago now, isn't it? Yeah, and I and I stand by this fact that those who complain about Abensour, he left us in a mess. Don't put the blame entirely on him because yeah. his his budget was cut after that season. We finished eighth and just missed out on the playoffs. His budget was cut massively, and yeah. that's where it went wrong because we didn't kick on after that season. Yeah. and that's why we lost players like Zoko and Lubo, and whatnot. So, uh, so there you go. Um, okay, Dan. Um, that's the X-Files bit done. But what we're going to do now is, because next week we've only got one game to review and one game to preview, the final game of the season. We've got a listener question for next week, haven't we? We want yeah. your contributions. We want you to, to, to talk about something. Um, I don't know if you want to go on this one, Dan.
2: Yeah, this this is... Uh, I was on a supporters group meeting on Monday, mm. uh, representing the forum as usual, and part of the, uh, the stuff, uh, they're getting new caterers, they are trying to look at what the the offer is and that, and sort of part of that. We uh, we've sort of decided on the podcast to s- give you an avenue to suggest what you would like to see, and we'll we'll sort of collate it. You know, mention the best bits on air, and we'll sort of collate it into a document to forward mm. to the club. You know, so you know, but hardly any fans for nearly eighteen months. By the time we're back next season, Touchwood what improvements would you like to see for the fan experience you know we're talking bars which the bars are actually scheduled for a bit of a an, an upgrade in the mm-hmm. main stand there's a bit of work going on in uh with that uh the food offerings ticket options and basically any other facilities you know this this is a chance for you to let us know we'll 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 do a We'll do a separate tweet once we launch this episode. We'll do a separate tweet to gather a few opinions. Uh, you can also email us or, you know, drop us a DM or whatever. But uh be interesting to see what the fans want. I mean, personally, I, I think it's just something of decent to eat, a decent drink, and most fans will be happy.
1: Yeah, I think we, we put these things down here, those options here, obviously, bars, food, ticket options, facilities. In terms of the bars, I mean... The biggest problem for me is that the, the pints are crap. The choice yeah, of drinks crap. Yeah. The, the quality of the drink you get is absolutely rubbish. Well, the in, in,
2: interestingly, uh, the brewery is also up for renewal. They've we? had the
1: same brew for a while, haven't they? I yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, think it's, I can't remember. Is it Heineken? Or some I think beer? it's Heineken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily Heineken that's maybe the problem, but the way the drink's kept and the way it's done, yeah, it's not good.
2: the The main stand doesn't lend itself well. With its age and, no. you know, it's, it's. I don't know I, what the
1: experience is like in the East End because I've not been in for so long. Pe- pe- but
2: pe- people who don't go into the the main stand, it is the rabbit warren of all rabbit warrens. There's yeah. doors and corridors everywhere, and you think they've got to like pipe drink around it, and that it's it's not it's not conducive. But uh, you know, you've got to sort of make make, make do with what you have. So yeah. if you have any ideas of stuff you would like to see. Yeah. Uh, like I say, we'll put, we'll put a separate tweet out separate from the episode one and fire it in with us, and we'll uh we'll forward it all to the club.
1: Absolutely, and and, and in terms of food, it's just just good food. Yes, the food. The food you get outside at the the Lakeland Steak things, great. And yeah. I, I buy food from there quite a lot. I can't remember the last time I bought food in the ground.
2: But, it's that bad. It it always always amazes me that we basically have a butcher owns our club.
1: Hmm.
2: You know, for all intents and purpose, Pioneer was basically a bit of a butcher shop, wasn't it? You know, it's, yeah. yes, it's grown; it's grown over the years. But I, I think it's incredible that we don't do something Cumberland sausage related.
1: No, and 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 the thing and the thing is, look at the club this season; they've had a good link up with the Viceroy, yeah. In terms yeah. of the, you know, the the, the man of the match or the, you know, the the players' food after the game, and it's created a real good, you know, little good good little thing, and people get excited about it, and whatnot. Why don't we have the specials for some, some of the midweek games where you get a little curry pot or something like that with some yeah, rice and yeah. something? People would love that. I'm sure yeah. that, you know, you know, it's a nice little warm meal to have You know, in a midweek game when it's a bit yeah. cold. Things like that. Just do one-offs and things. I'm sure it's not that yeah. difficult to have a, a giant pot of curry or something like that.
2: People don't mind paying for good produce. So yeah. if, if you did a proper, a proper bun yeah. with a good piece of Cumberland sausage and, I, I don't know, a Cumberland chutney in it, you don't mind paying three or four quid, exactly, exactly. So. so when you
1: pay pay three or four quid, you get absolute dross, and puts yeah. people off going, doesn't it? Really. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and that's it, Dan. So what we'll, 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 we'll do is we'll have a think about what we want as well, a little bit bit more in depth, and uh, we'll put our bits in as well side that section. But that'll cover a decent part of uh, next week's episode. Because, like I said, yeah. we've only got one game to review and one game to preview, and and then obviously after that, we've got the um, we'll be the week after we'll be reviewing the Warsaw game. And we'll, we'll think about what we do uh, instead of a preview bit in that episode because we we'll have to do something different because there's not been nothing to preview, won't there?
2: Yeah.
1: Season over. It'd be weird. There you go. Um, that's it. Thanks, Dan, again for joining me. Um, if you've got any comments or feedback, anything you'd like us suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to @brunterbeagle or by email to brunterbeagle at com, or find us on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. And also, we've got our own Facebook page now, Dan, haven't we? We've finally we got around own setting yeah. up. Yeah. So you can find us, just search for Brunton and Bugle on Facebook and you'll find our page and you like the page there. And we'll put all the posts up on there. We'll get people joining in on there as well in terms of the uh you know, d- doing stuff like the, the the listener questions and things like that, which we'll we'll maybe try and do as a regular feature next season, I think maybe as a little short section on each episode. Um if you haven't already, remember you can subscribe to the podcast for your all good podcast apps, including Spotify, ACast, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you can get your podcast, you, you will find us there, I think it's fair to say. Um, okay, Dan, so I'm loading the map up here to see if there's any new countries. We've got two new ones. Ooh. Two new players have entered the game, and they are Egypt. Wow. And, and India. Wow. Big in India and Egypt. No, there you go. There's two two big countries there. I think we've had Thailand before, haven't we? They're, they're, they're listening yeah, on the map. Yeah, I'm there, pretty is, sure we've had
2: them. there is there is a couple of blues out in Thailand that I know of. Yeah,
1: So Egypt and India, the two new countries on the map. Yeah. So there you what, go.
2: What what we'll do over the summer, we'll get an interactive map of uh, the world, mm. one of those that you can colour in the countries you've been yeah. to, except we'll colour in the countries that we've had a listen from, and we'll uh, we'll upload that on all our socials.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, looking at this one, I only get in the last 30 days or so on the analytics, but I can get the whole since we started. And I think there's a fair few countries. I think we've got every continent covered now, I think. Yeah, I think we've had so, a f- yeah. We definitely have North America. I mean, right now, actually, we've got every continent covered by the looks of things. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And there you go. Across all six continents.
2: Ex- what a football club.
1: We have to get a listener in Antarctica. That's the next aim, isn't it? <laughs> get one of the scientists out there to give a listen to yeah, it or something like yeah. that. would be brilliant. Dan, thanks again for joining me. Um, we'll be back next probably Wednesday or Thursday next week. See how it goes. You might try and get it recorded early, actually, because there's no midweek game. But
2: yeah, when Wednesday's good for me, I would say.
1: Brilliant. So we'll be back next week. Thanks everyone for listening. And up the blues,
2: up the blues.